This is Southeast Asia Crossroads, an educational podcast from the Center for Southeast Asian Studies at Northern Illinois University. From music to maps, money and modernity, this is where ideas come to life. Welcome to another edition of Southeast Asia Crossroads. Uh, I'm your host, Eric Jones, and with us in virtual studio is uh, Dr. Jan Middendorf. Hi, Jan. Hi, how are you? Thank you for Good. the introduction. Great to, great to have you. Uh, and we're going to talk today about a bunch of things. Uh, let me first say that Jan is at, at Kansas State University and is the uh, Associate Director of Feed the Future Initiative Lab for Collaborative Research on Sustainable Intensification. Do we have an acronym for that? Of course. (laughs) And the acronym is SIL um, to make it easier, but yes. The Sustainable Innovation Lab. Okay. And doing doing a lot of good work, and we're going to talk about a bunch of those things. Uh, In particular, we're going to, I think, drill down on what what you've titled Building Resilience Through Transformational Change, Lessons from Cambodia. Uh, which is uh, which we're excited about as a, as a Center for Southeast Asian Studies, and in particular have a have a, a deep interest in in Cambodia. So yeah, thanks for joining us. Yes, my pleasure. And actually, um, in doing the talk the other day, I was really excited to hear that you guys have. Well, I know you have multiple programs, but one specifically that's going to do a um, three week study tour in yeah. uh, May at NIU. So that's awesome. And then also. Um, I believe Dr. Mel is going to ideally do a Fulbright in Cambodia. And what I love about that is the opportunity to make these synergies and connections because it's such a small world. And uh, we're really, as Kansas State University, being able to work in Cambodia, it not only, I mean, it's building resilience and transforming transformational change, but also transformational change for us as well. Um, Learning from Cambodians, watching uh, the growth with what they've done over these years we work together um, is just super inspiring. So I'm happy you guys have a strong program there too, and and hopefully we can uh, link in some way. Yeah, well, thanks for the thanks for the plug for us. Yeah, yeah everyone should <laughs> sign up for our uh, uh, field school and exchange in to Cambodia. Go to our website for more. But uh, yeah, no, but you yeah. bring up a good point where um, one of the things that I think we do well and we can do all more of is marry the sort of the area content knowledge of Southeast Asia with uh, folks like you who are practitioners who have um, discipline specific skills that um, that, that's a, that's a strong partnership where, um, you know, good uh, connections and, and, and local contact and, and um, integration is, is an important part of it. And then with obviously the, uh, the kind of skills and, and technologies and transformational change that uh that uh centers like yourself represent so yeah we're excited for uh uh i mean uh to to not just be in um sort of an abstraction of study but to (laughs) to be working on these things and and also um understanding this holistic approach and holistic in the sense that it's um every discipline has a part to play and in our innovation lab we speed the future innovation labs are very, their focus is uh, research oriented, research for development. So um, the majority of our work, um, and I know this is about South Asia, but we, we work in West Africa, uh, had worked in, in East Africa as well as South Asia, and they are really tackling a specific um, research problem. And it's, uh, so the, the uniqueness of Cambodia, so we do have another research project that's going on in Cambodia that we also fund, but this, the center of excellence that we were um, talking or talked about the other day um, is really focused on this human and institutional capacity building. So that's, it's such a broader range. I mean, it's agriculture oriented for sure, but then you recognize the value added to all of the work that's done. So there's the research that uh, can be put in the technology park so that you can showcase these innovations, the best right. practices for that particular agroecology zone, but then also what are those human connections that happen? And um, one of the things that we're recognizing in Cambodia 
as well is that it's a really young population and really hungry and eager for learning. And, um, and that's really makes a huge difference of their, their ability to um, the successes they've had in such a short period of time. Because this initiative, when it was started in 2016, it, it was very um, ambitious, but honestly, the funders even thought the USAID, it's going to take several years for us to see movement or, you know, improvement over time. And it's just uh, like, okay, so one example, and I don't have a visual for you, um, but the, an example is um, when we went to visit, when we did the site visits to do the co-creation of the center to begin with. There was a you I we drove on campus and it's um, the Royal University of Agriculture in Phnom Penh is kind of on the um, it's by the city but you know really out out quite far in the suburbs but they do have government land there and um, when we drove in that to the into the university it's like kind of a compound um, and off to the right you would look and it was what appeared to be just a um, abandoned lot with a lot of garbage and a lot of, um, I mean, one could look at it and just see wasteland, yeah, right? Just fallow, fallow at best, yeah. At best, but not even agri, I mean, it didn't even ring to agriculture, like in yeah. that, that setting, it wasn't, so it wasn't, it wasn't- It wasn't uh, really being used for anything. Yet. No. Yeah, yet, yet, this yet. is at the very beginning. And, um, and now, and uh, so, the video, and I don't know if you can link that at some yeah, point. Yeah, we can put and that in talk, the show notes. In that video, it shows um, the the drone goes over the the land and that in the university and and the technology park that was that was built there. And within less than two years, it literally was transformed. And you were saying um, when we were chatting earlier uh, about the different technologies that are being showcased in that that farm, uh, uh, it's not, well, it's called a technology agriculture park so that individuals, both researchers, uh, dignitaries, people from all over, smallholder farmers, anyone can come and look at when we say- um, Showcase. You know, Showcase, so like a compost house. Well, what is that and how do you do it and where do you do it and why do you do it? So they have a number of different types of technologies. Well, that, that, what looked to me at the time, wasteland in a sense, literally was transformed into this absolutely beautiful um, agriculture technology park. I mean, I, there's no other way I can describe it, but what yeah. it just gave such um, understanding is how what one could say, oh, this is going to take forever, but the eagerness and the work and all the, the, the um, well, really the, the labor that the, the um, the folks in the Royal Agriculture University, they just took the initiative and made the change. I mean, they just, it's a lot of work. And they built these um, compost houses, they built the, the structures for gardening. And because it's focused on smallholder farmers, it's not meant for, I mean, private sector can come in and they encourage them. And there are some technologies that are very uh, well aligned for, for, um, private sector to for, you know, scaling yeah. up, maybe, but really, or go ahead. Sorry. Say, maybe, maybe let's back up for a second and, and just okay, for our sorry. listeners to, 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 I'm excited to get where you're going to, but uh, the, um, the, some of the, some of the global challenges that, that you point out, um, you know, multiple crises, wicked problems and hunger is and hunger is particular one that the, um, that that your feed the future innovation lab focuses on is that right that hunger is a particular yes absolutely food well the overarching goal really looking at um food insecurity okay um and poverty and um inequality of food what, as well what do you mean you, yeah. you you mentioned a few times uh what is sustainable intensification as it relates to hunger um okay so that is an excellent question and um, so, so the way that our innovation lab, when you think of sustainable intensification, and that 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 um, definition was coined by Jules Pretty in 1997, and really looking at intensifying production, 
so that we can utilize the land to its best um, and then uh, get the most productivity out of it. Well, then over time, if and we have results of where we've done a lot of, we collectively, whether it's the US or other countries, um, maximize the productivity within a land, in the land, but at the sacrifice. So of that's, that's, the, that's the intensification part is, is. That's the intensification part. The sustainable part is, okay, wait a second. It's not just about productivity. That's super important. You want the highest yield, but at the, so the, the idea is um, the maximum productivity with the minimizing of environmental um, impact. If you're leaching the soil, all, if you're creating a dust bowl, if you're all of these things, none of those are very short term. Right, you're, exactly. So the soil is a living being itself. It needs to have nutrition in order for it to um, be able to produce what you need it to. So look, taking, that's sort of the, far, the systems approach in that we look at it from productivity, environment, economics, social, and human conditions, like when we're looking at our innovations, so that it's touching on all of these different domains, not just one, not just economics, not just productivity. Those are critical. They're really important. They have, um, uh, and, and that is the majority of where uh, typical international development has focused their energy. But now, but um, over time, it's we've realized that that is not enough. We have to have a systems approach. You have to look at all of the components. It's not just what can we strip from that that um, that particular plot of land, but what can we do to not only improve its productivity, feeding the soil with the nutrients it needs, so that it can produce. And actually, the director of our um, innovation lab is Dr. Var Prasad. And his, I love his, um, the way he talks about One Health. So it's like, it's the One Health has everything in it, except for they don't talk about soil. So we add soil at the very beginning of that trajectory of One Health, because if the soil is healthy, the plants will be healthy, the animals will eat healthy plants, those who eat animals will have healthier food or plants. Um, and then this has a cyclical uh, um, growth and, and improvement for that whole cycle. So at the core of that is soil. And we oftentimes um, don't understand, well, not those in agriculture do, but not everybody understands how, what a vital source that soil is. And you can take, even in, uh, you can take soil that has completely been depleted of its resource, uh, its um, nutrients, and, it, and then embed it with nutrients and life comes, then, then whether it's the, well, the vegetables in particular come to life. And it's a really um, important aspect of, of when you think about the wicked problems and, and this is why agriculture is so critical, but, but agriculture in a, in a sustainable way, not just maximizing uh, the yields, but rather the maximizing the health of that soil so that we can get the best out of it. So I'm, 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 I'm agreeing my, my late father, a soil scientist would have loved this guy. <laughs> <laughs> would have loved this conversation. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. maybe so, so your, your feed the future, I guess the partner, the, the players involved is the innovation lab. Um, and then, uh, you came together on a USAID, um, uh, grant and project to help, um, help develop, uh, CSAIN, the sustainer center of excellence for sustainable agriculture agricultural intensification and nutrition. So, so maybe maybe say a bit about how um, how those partnerships came into play to create help create something like CSAIN and, and the maybe the, the local partners in, in Cambodia. Yeah. And actually um, Eric, those are it's I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm glad that you actually spelled out the the center's name it, because it is um, and it's also the acronym of CSAIN. <laughs> So we have acronyms for almost everything, but the way the um, the way the center came together, and this is a little bit of a uniqueness. Well, first of all, the Feed the Future initiatives, we USAID provides funding to our what's called a management entity, and basically we're like a mini funder. We get funding from USAID, and then we fund other projects okay. um, with the goal of the the overarching goal of of eradicating. Um, and food insecurity and, and poverty, and knowing that that's a lifetime goal. And, um, but all of the innovation labs, that's the overarching goal. But 
But so with Cambodia specifically, what happened, which was um, because so ours, because our lab is sustainable intensification, it's broader, it's not a commodity, but what are the bigger issues mm -hmm. at, on a farming systems approach? So that's our, what we focus on. So then comes Cambodia and there were, um, it was kind of like the trifecta of, of activities that, that the, their USAID mission is in Cambodia and they fund a number of projects in that very small country. As I mentioned in the presentation, it's about the size of Oklahoma with 17 million people. So very population dense, but, lot, um, but relatively small. So they have multiple projects they have, well, they still do, had multiple projects going on, but they weren't always clear on what was the coordination, the leveraging of those projects. So that's USAID. The ministry wanted to build the, the strength in its capacity as well for Cambodia and utilizing- This is the, this is the any, Ministry of Agriculture? The Ministry of mm -hmm. Agriculture in Cambodia. Yeah. And they also, like any good steward, are trying to take, they're not gonna, they, they will take the resources that they are provided to help improvement, right? So the ministry wanted improvement. And then at the same time, and this is happening in many developing countries, lots of different universities are cropping up. So they'll, um, right. where there was once four, now there's like 20. Um, and so like any university, you wanna be able to showcase who you are and what your strengths are. So the Royal University of Agriculture's vision was to be the premier agriculture research university, but focused on a very much a land grant model um, the Kansas of State of Cambodia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A mini a miniature version, but theirs. And what I what I love about working with in this um, in this um, area is that not because the old because I'm a lot older than a lot of the folks that I was talking to the other day. So thirty years ago, the the universities have always been great resources. U.S. universities, great resources for technologies and the ability to. Um, I've got the answer. I have the solution, and here it is. But not necessarily engaging the yeah. local population to say this: this is what. What are you? What do you see? Those problems are. What are? What's happening? I can read that this is the problem. What's really? Because that, that takes that takes a lot of work. Like as as much oh. work as developing the technology and strategy, and you know the the the, the work of um, you know making that translatable and and you know, uh, on, yeah. the, on the ground is, is, all, is heavy lifting. It's, it is, but it's critical. And that's where that, this is where my expertise comes into play in regard to the social science is that participatory of co-creation approach. Yeah. Because technically you could have come in a university, any university with agriculture. Just parachute in. in. Yeah. Exactly. And set up that park. Right. But then as soon as you leave, there's no motivation to, there's no investment into the park and into the work and into the land and any of the learning. It's just somebody. Yeah, we see, you're right. We see a lot of historical examples, right? Just dropping equipment uh, and money and other things and, uh, and um, the actual impact is, is minimal and even, even negative can be like. And yeah. Exactly. And temporary, very temporary. So this sustainable part, this is what makes the value of this is that it was, the, the need drove from the, through the country and, and from different perspectives of the country. And we happen to have the expertise to do to engage with them in this participatory approach to vet to, to identify, um, work with them for them to identify what are our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And if there was a center of excellence, what would it look is like? This the, is so, this the co-creation co process? Yes, yeah, that's that the co-creation process. About? Okay. So key stakeholders internal to the Royal University, external from um, different funders, different farmers, different perspectives, and then did this workshop of really, um, well, defining sustainable intensification and what does it mean? What would it mean in this context? What are the strengths and opportunities and threats within um, from the internal perspective, the external perspective, and then join those forces together to then which the outcome was the development of the Center of Excellence for Sustainable Agriculture and Intensification and Nutrition. But by doing that, all of the, uh, all of the growth and excitement and, and work, like you said, hard lifting, getting, taking the time to do that, listening to the local voices, um, 
translates into their commitment, their buy-in, their um, right. moment, their uh, incentive to make it, it's theirs. And now CSANE is thought of as the premier place, which is within Royal University of Agriculture. So if the, if the ambassador is coming, if the dignitaries from the U, uh, well, from the embassy or from other countries, when they come to see a spotlight, they go to these technology parks. That didn't happen five years ago. As I just told you, it was a fallow land with a lot of like literally garbage on it. Um, and then in the, um, the presentation I gave the other day, also um, the cool thing about the university is that the students saw the ability to recognize a problem, come up with a solution. So they started this recycling plan within the university. So now when you drive on campus, it's not, it's much more, uh, it's much more beautiful. There's a lot less um, uh, pollution, well, not pollution, just garbage that you would find if you're not using um, recycling or just putting it in the garbage can and so on. But anyway, that's sort so, of a So that, so uh, do you think some of that is, I, I guess the, the students who are, who are engaged in, um, uh, you know, sustainable intensification in agriculture, the sort of their brains start working about like, hey, um, in this other proximate, you know, region, like, like what if we um, made the campus grounds more sustainable or what if we, right, right. We, we, we gave, we gave an outcome. So you think that's a, like an outcome of their, their working on this particular agricultural problem that, that. Absolutely. And, and here's, uh, I can give you a concrete example, because when you started off asking about the global problem, the wicked problems, and we as a society, uh, it, they are global. It's, it's, climate change, COVID, all of these pieces, when you look at them as an individual and think, how do I tackle that? How do I, what do I need to do individually and collectively to make a difference? And that huge eradicating poverty, you know, dealing with food insecurity, it can seem so daunting and overwhelming and to the point that I can't, I don't have a solution and or, or I don't, I'm not, I don't have the capacity for that, right? It becomes overwhelming. But when it's then brought down to a very tangible, what difference can I make? I sincerely think because the same students were going on campus, the same students saw that land. Then they watched all this work that's done and how it's transformed. And then those light bulbs do go off. Oh, well, what could we do differently? What's what do what to add to the sustainable improvement of of um, our conditions and where we live and what we're doing and what we're studying? So it was such a great opportunity for them. Well, and also I give a ton of credit to the university itself and the Cambodians because they're they because they allowed it to happen. They could have easily have said, "No, we're focused. On, you don't have the power to do this um, initiate self initiated activity." Um, but they yeah. did. They allowed them to identify a problem, come up with a solution. And they didn't say, we want a recycling plan. They said, look at our campus. What do you think we could do differently based on the, uh, what we're learning or do? So they came up with this whole recycling piece. But they also, the students, um, the really great thing about these ag technology parks too, and we have them in land grants as well, is that it also gives them a place to actually see research in action visually see the difference of, of this type of fertilizer versus another, whether it's, uh, um, I mean, there's a chemical fertilizer, non-chemical, so on, but they can actually see hands-on what's happening right in front of them. So that also really makes a huge difference with learning. And then a lot of the students that go to this, this one, this particular university, but others as well, they obviously go home to their, the, um, the villages where they live or when they're not at campus and then translate that information off to their, the uh, other farmers. One, one thing that struck that, that stood out to me was the, um, you know, as you, as you know, and pointed out that Cambodia is this interesting mix of, of a young population, but it's, it's, you know, what, 75% um, rural and, you know, 24% urban. So it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's very rural and um and young and uh and smallholder farmers are a big part of this equation for um you know food security and sustainability so what, what was the decision to like to um say go to um to focus on the sort of smallholder 
farmer as opposed to sort of mass scale agriculture? That's a fantastic question. And it's it has a lot to do with our innovation lab as a whole, that when you think about farming and farmland in these developing countries, 80% of the land is cultivated by smallholder farmers. The majority of the farmers have less than one, and, and the, the target beneficiaries that we're, we don't work directly with the farmers sometimes, but not usually, but, um, but the results of the work we're trying to do is for them. And it's with, for and with them. So with the host country um, partners, but the, so a lot of these families that, we're work, that we work with or for are like a, a, a hectare, well, let's see, well, it's a one to five hectares. So in, in um, acres, it's about, let's, what is that, times three? So under 10 acres, it was actually even like five acres. It's just a, it's a really small yeah. plot of land. And, um, and so that's the reason that these innovation labs are focused on smallholder farmers because they, they are the bulk of land owners and well, not always owners, but a lot of them are landowners, but that they're the ones that are cultivating agricultural producers land. are the, the agriculture yeah. producers. It's not, I mean, yes, there's a lot of huge industrial um, farming companies, but that's 20%. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's a marked difference from sort of some earlier green revolution uh, mm -hmm. kind of, kind of initiatives, right? Is that, is, is, yes. are, is some yes. of those cautionary tales for innovation lab like yours? Yeah, well, and, and also with the new, so Feed the Future initiative, the previous um, type of centers, because this, this concept of where USAID pays, uh, provides funding for these research initiatives, um, prior to that, it was, they were called CRISP, so, so the Center of Research, um, oh, well, I have to all look up the acronym for you, but the bottom line is when Feed the Future, then this was actually under Obama's administration, that when they re, uh, revised it, their focus was that it had to be host country priority led. Like it could no longer be U.S. identifying pro, pro, uh, programs or, or problems, but rather the host countries. It's, so, it's such a right. It's such like a like an obvious like no kidding kind of. But 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 it's pretty recent. Mm -hmm. Like that. Two thousand nine. Like if you want when that they to. Made, if you want Think it to work, that. it's to be host led. Like that's, it's just, I don't know. It's yeah. And actually, even in my own career, um, I didn't say this in the presentation, but um, so I was a Peace Corps volunteer in the 80s, latter 80s in Honduras and conservation agriculture at that time. So these concepts of conservation agriculture, soil health, uh, working with the farmers, take it to the farmers, all yeah. of that conceptually has been around for new, a long but, time. Yeah. Um, and so what the, the really wonderful thing about the Feed the Future focus is that you had to, as I already said, the, the country-led priorities, and you have to have, to be funded, you have to have country partners as part of the uh, sub-awardees or recipients of, of a, this joint um, learning and a, a, addressing these problems together. So that, that is a marked difference between the past, the CRISP. Now, the CRISP did a lot of great work, and they had a lot of great research come out of it, so I'm not trying to criticize sure, them best, at all. Best intentions. But... Best intentions, absolutely. And now we're coupling that with, okay, now look what we've learned over the years, and, and this has to be generated by the people that are actually being impacted. Like, but you, like you said, it seems so obvious but uh, it doesn't. There's a lot of things that seem obvious that we don't always um, well, address it that a, way. A plug for the Center for Southeast Asian Studies and another center. This is where you know uh, the those resource centers uh, who who focus on local knowledge and and um, you know you know you take a typical work of an say an anthropologist or a social scientist to understand could could is a powerful partnership with with people who are working in the in in the technologies and it's uh, absolutely and and they. You cannot separate the two. I mean, the, the anthropologist, sociologist, uh, actually, that I would say within the development uh, and research specifically is so needed because we, I was telling you about those five domains, the productivity, environment, economics, which we're well versed on. And then when it comes to nutrition and human condition, we're 
versed on those, but those areas um, need much more strengthening and integration with our research. And that actually USAID is, that's a goal of theirs as well. Um, really looking, diving into behavior change. What is it? What's the good if you have a thousand uh, innovations if the smallholder farmer is not adopting them? And why aren't they adopting them? What is it about their conditions that is, and, and we know it's not always economic driven. It can be, but there's a whole system. You know, you don't, their risks, their um, lever for risk is so much higher than say an industrial uh, agriculture company that has a lot of room for right, taking can, this. Right, that can sustain kind of a, yeah. a, a more risky endeavor. Well, yep. I mean, so like maybe, maybe if the a good example, we can give some from that are kind of maybe crystallize a few of these uh, innovations that you're talking about. The the I was interested in the agricultural technology parks, the ETPs, like they're, you uh-huh. know, looking at a map you've had, you've got like, uh, you know, there's compost plantings, there's like a net house, herb garden, um, livestock demonstrations, fish pond. Uh, could you say a bit about um, maybe examples that stand out of maybe uh, from that kind of follow from from farm to fork kind of how an, an idea <laughs> yeah. idea that works itself out in a in a um, agriculture technology park and then makes its way to um, actual practice for a smallholder farmer. Absolutely, and honestly, um, the what we the so the the agriculture technology park in the presentation that listed the number of innovations. The idea is that. Um, that you have a well-balanced types of innovations that are from soil quality all the way to productivity. So, and the, and yeah. what I mean is like mulching, you, you know, there's the mulching. So, so the nice things about the park, it's not just focused on a commodity or a couple of different ones. It's looking and they're very small scale so that um, you as a farmer could come in and again, so that it's not, you know, acres and acres of land, it's a little plot that you could say, oh, okay, I might be able to You could to imagine what that would look like, yeah. Exactly. And then in the park, they have resources that, like a QRS code that can, and because lots of, most people have a cell phone. Sure. So that you can connect and get the details of how do I replicate this in my system. So one of the um, parks that we have is also in, um, in the northern part of uh, Cambodia in Siem Reap, which is a very popular area. That's actually where Angkor Wat is and a lot of tourists, huge tourist industry up there. And um, so this is to give you a concrete example. So what the local farmers around the area produce the vegetables for these restaurants. Well, the restaurants okay. that are in the, um, in the tourist area, but Prior, they were food was being imported from Thailand and Vietnam because they had more established systems to get the food to these restaurants. So through the process of, of it's a lot. It's not just um, the ag- agriculture technology parks. In this case, it was the relationship bi- built from years of working in Cambodia and Manny Reyes, who is our our um, country coordinator, but he's done a lot of work within Cambodia and is um, but has established the relationship and trust to get the smallholder farmers linked to, okay, if you want the restaurants to buy your products, they have to be quality products, they have to be, um, and in some cases, as the the wave of organic um, vegetables and so on, making the market, building the link between the market in the local area for these restaurants. So there was a, a, a couple of, well, more than a couple, but this uh, uh, one farmer in particular that, that video is in the uh, link of the showcasing the highlighting the stories. Mm-hmm. But this farmer took the words to to um, you know to, to, he took them honest or to wanted to actually do it. And then there was a women's cooperative, so they all work together. And now they have these little uh, they're called Cobot. And actually, University of um, UC Davis also had a, a horticulture innovation lab. So in combination of their innovation lab and ours, as well as working with the farmer, they, I don't know if you know what a cobot is. It's basically like a cooler that can go behind a motorcycle so that you could deliver the vegetables um, fresh and get them to the restaurant. So 
that through, the, through this network and, and um, innovation of these farmers and the cooperative, now they have a funnel straight to these, uh, and this is of course was before COVID, but the super strong network of buying local vegetables from the farmers that are around Seen Rip, and then they demo them in this park so they could see what is it that is gonna be, what is growing the best, what's the highest need for these restaurants. Now the restaurants are only one of many um, avenues for the market, but that's a clear linkage of how these innovation labs and the farmers working together made that market. It, it also, um, it also, I'm guessing, um, you know, creates both a responsive relationship that the, for, to, to, to the restaurant and the, and the producers, but also cuts out some middle, gives the income to the farmers rather than exactly. through exactly. many middlemen who are going to, um, transport. Is that, is that, is that an outcome Absolutely. of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, that was an outcome. And then also building the confidence of of the, just the w ability and will to make it happen. Because again, that's a lot of work. And so, um, but so that's, a, that's one of our uh, uh, really, um, we have, so on our website, they, uh, we ha and also CCN's website, there's a number of videos because what we also recognize is um, communication and getting the word out and not, you can definitely say verbally, and this is a good opportunity in podcasts of doing a presentation at your university but also at a broader scale so that you can say all these wonderful things, but when you actually see them, so they have a really nice communication uh, department that helps put together these videos. But so in this five years, we were able to see, uh, the video I shared was the five-year anniversary. So it was all of the highlights of the successes, but there's a video before that talking about the park itself. There's another one about transforming youth and how they, um, how the young scholars and mostly women are really getting excited and engaged with agriculture. And then another one about the farmers. Now these videos are like three to five minutes. So it's not like, you know, 30 minutes, but it's, we just um, had our annual meeting in 2021, you know, doing this showcasing and they shared those videos. And it was like, so exciting to see this, all of this, all of the things you dream will happen are happening where the, youth are getting excited about agriculture and demonstrating why it's of value to them. Farmers are recognizing, hey, we can actually make some more money by doing um, some of these needs for, in this case, it was the restaurant. And then, um, it, anyway, I'm sorry. I, I think, I, think, I, saw, I think I saw one, I was watching one video where um, like, uh, a woman was talking about, like she was talking to a group of, um, of I, I'm guessing would be, would be farmers, farmers who can use this technology, kind of talking to them about, um, you know, how it benefited and 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 kind of really in the weeds, yeah, no pun in, pun intended, maybe uh, <laughs> ab about about how how it worked. It seemed it seemed really fascinating to kind of that they're they're your best spokespeople, the the the, the actual practitioners on the ground. Uh, do, and I guess they get excited about like, hey, this is. We should be doing this. Yeah, and we should be doing this. And this is why we should do it. And then on one of the slides about the changing lives of folks, Shanity uh, Igang, she's she was her grandmother. Well, she grew up on a farm. Her family did, was um, it kind of skipped a generation. Her mother, her grandmother was a farm um, had the farm, and but it's a lot of work, right? And then um, her parents worked on the farm, but it wasn't their only livelihood. Well, some bug bit, not literally, <laughs> talk about puns, but she got excited about looking the farmland and so they are just working on the farm and what that could bring. And then got connected with um, not only our innovation lab, but some other researchers as well in helping cultivate that, that excitement. And, and, and so now, so she wasn't even considering doing a degree. She got her undergraduate, then she ended up getting her master's. Now, she actually is our spokesperson, and we brought her to the States to, to World Food Prize event to talk about youth and engage, youth engagement in agriculture. But she does a trainings throughout South Asia on grafting tomatoes and how to um, improve your, your uh, productivity with, with 
this ability to wrap tomato, tomato yields. Wow. Um, yes. Yeah. So so yeah, me the the I you, I mean you should brag about some of those kind of impressive. Um, you know the the so, so some of those are people who have gone on to uh, to get degrees uh, in and 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 come back and work with you. What are some of the other kind of interesting kind of uh, you know quantifiable qualitative quantitative outcomes of the um, of the work? So okay, so now to make sure I understand, because we do have the quantitative results of the yeah I mean I, just, I mean I guess I'm looking at some of the some of the numbers are, are pretty impressive like 30 PhD holders that that went on um, 4,700 okay. visits to the agriculture technology parks um, yeah what are some of the other things that stand out to you well what really stands out in, when we think about human and um, institutional capacity building is that um, the well one piece is because of the center well that so the numbers can speak for themselves but really the um, the number of technologies, so they have five parks now, we're going to have seven eventually, but 28, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think of what those technologies that are in the agriculture technology parks for people to, to visit, that's really amazing. Um, a lot of short-term trainings that they, uh, which is building capacity of the student body. The, the range between starting even at high school um, I'll, I'll tell you a couple little um, that don't necessarily show up in the, um, so the, the, these are some value addeds that I get super excited about. They don't always show up in the numbers, but they are really important and significant. Um, is, so for example, when we did, we, one of the agriculture technology parks is in a high school. And because it was in the high school, high school students got more and more excited about it. The at that time they didn't you know how curriculum can shift all the time and at that time they didn't have the expertise in agriculture so they didn't have the agriculture course or technology or um, curriculum so after the ag park came to the school then they are like well wait a second we need this expertise so they hired an ag teacher to come and start teaching about those specific things. Um, so that changed their curriculum for that high school. And then that blossomed into 10 other high schools. Um, so that's one exciting thing. And then you need to get the future, future farmers of Cambodia jackets to, to wear. And exactly. And then, and from there, they was able to, um, not through USA, but another funding source, they got so excited about it. They started offering scholarships for students in high school to go to the Royal University to get their undergraduate. So now we have this pipeline of the school, the kids that are in these high schools right. getting excited, coming to the University of, um, well, or Buckenbong, there's another universities there as well, but to get these scholarships and then the families, because one of the issues was that, especially because as I mentioned, a lot were young women. So the parents, family members were nervous about, you know, living in a rural area, sending their daughter mm -hmm. um, to uh, the, the big city. Well, they have like a, a mentorship program. So the women that are already in the program, they then connect with the young women coming in. So right. they have a network of friends and safety and trusted and mentored. And... Exactly. Um, and then I, I'm looking at another couple of things I wanted to highlight. This is a big one, too, about scientific conferences. So, again, well, in our academic setting, we're very familiar, obviously, with those. But prior to the ceasing, they were not engaged. They were not um, hosting them because they didn't have the capacity. But now they started with one. And that's a wonderful way to bring other researchers, other scholars to come in, showcase and that's definitely on the academic side from a comp from a university, but now they've done five and they're going to do two more. So their their notoriety of putting on and these wonderful um, conferences are, is huge. Um, and then, as you we already talked about, the number of you know over time, the number of people who have visited these farms. So it's way over five thousand now. Um, Anyway, so let's see. What, I are, on on. what are some of the um, and a lot and a lot of uh, a lot of successes? I would, would encourage people to go to the to your website and and check these out. How yeah. about um, maybe as we think um, 
in, in conclusion, what are some of the obstacles that you see ahead for uh, these types of initiatives and sustainable agriculture in, in Cambodia? Well, I think um, there, yes, we have talked a lot about successes and there are definitely obstacles as well. I think the fact that it's still considered a low to low income country uh, really has a huge impact on the um, livelihood of, of the rural population and urban as well. Um, so I, I really, the needs are still huge. I mean, I think this is a drop in the bucket, but it's a big, maybe drop it, maybe it's a little more than a drop, but um, I think that encouraging youth to really value agriculture as a viable um, uh, career, that's a big one. It, it fills through the technology parks and the work that's being done. There is a lot of it. I see more excitement in Cambodia than I do in the US, honestly, sometimes when it comes to the, you and I kind of talked a little bit about it. Being a farmer and a smallholder farmer is a lot of work. It's a lot of expense. It's a lot of, um, so trying to utilize our best technologies to minimize the drudgery, but maximize the, what you can get out of the uh, uh, farming system. But um, I think giving them, helping them recognize how important it is, and this is for Cambodia, but I think it is worldwide as well, how critical it is that we really focus on our natural resources and protecting them so that we can put life in the soil. So we can use, the agriculture can be utilized in a sustainable way to address our food insecurities. I mean, that's where the food is gonna come from is our land. Um, and so I just think getting students, getting people excited about that. And then more importantly, that our, the governance and the policies are adopted to support that as well. So you can do a lot of wonderful things at the ground level, but from, it has to roll up and down through our, our, our governor, or I mean our governance and the policies, because that's what drives it. And so right now, the ministry is way behind this initiative and, and, it, and it, the doors open, land is provided for these technology parks, as we said, they needed to be government owned. Um, and so they're also recognizing that value. And I think that really, we talked about pipeline, it takes from all the way to the beginning of actually growing um, uh, food, but all our products, but also what is the, what is our political system, not our political system, in this case, Cambodia, what, in, what investments are they making to make sure that this is all sustainable? And they are making investments. And the, the last thing I want to say on that, that note is um, because CSANE was an initiative, it wasn't embedded into the, the uh, system yet, but now they are literally in the process of making it an official part of the university so that it can be, it can be self-sustaining and won't need outside funding. Yeah, that, that sounds great, right? So it's, there's not a dependency that emerges that uh or right and those those and 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 i guess the more that that happens the more their um the, their values and their priorities will will not only align but will be represented because they're coming from the, they're locally and you know being being produced rather than externally yeah. um, and, and everyone can take pride in it right so that when the yeah. when they are doing these dignitary visits and the and folks are coming from different countries the ministry can take pride. I mean, they can see this wonderful um, opportunities that are happening. And another, um, I didn't talk about it too much, but because of uh, the, the leveraging and synergies of other funding sources. So there's uh, USDA, the Department of Agriculture has a food for progress um, initiative. And so they fund research work all over the world. But one of the ones that they had was on aquaculture. And so because of this establishment and the and that they had already branched out and had these uh, opportunities, that's why fish ponds are on there. Um, the agro, the association of um, soybean associate American Soybean Association applied for the grant, embedded, um, asked CSANE and our innovation lab to be part of it. And long story short, it got funded. It's we're in its fourth year brought $17 million to the country to build the sustainability with aquaculture within Cambodia. So that's just one example of 
of because of this initiative, that leveraging and belief that the, there's a snow there's out. a snowball effect that can happen where yeah. people realize like we can we can do this to leverage other funding to to exactly to move exactly the needle forward. Um, yeah, this is this is a very exciting, interesting, and um, hey, how about we uh, we all. Uh, make a date between your your institution and ours to we should we, we, we should go on a tour of this park in Cambodia sometime absolutely absolutely and I just have to say one thing um so I meet with the Cambodians regularly almost weekly in, a, in the morning so it's in the morning it depends but you we're 12 hours off right so it's right. either our early morning and they're late or vice versa so I literally was talking to Lina Hope who is the set the center director and told him about the presentation on Friday. And actually he, I gave them credit because they were helping me put it together. Um, anyway, so he's super excited about this opportunity for engaging, um, opens, welcomes arms, would love for you guys to come in that short, the study in May, or and also the upcoming, if the Fulbright comes through. But they are really wanting to um, collaborate with lots of folks. So this, so sometimes these kinds of things sound like, uh, like, yeah, maybe that will happen. This will be a reality. You guys will go to Cambodia. You will go to the uh, RUA CC Singh, meet Lita. And then I want to hear about it when you get back. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, you'll have to come back on the on the podcast. And we'll talk about it. Again. Okay. I'd love to. That'd so be great. Thanks again, Jan. And we'll, uh, we'll see you again for another episode of Southeast Asia. Okay. Thank you, Eric. It was a pleasure. Really fun to talk about uh, CSANE and, and our work. So I appreciate your time and energy putting it together. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Southeast Asia Crossroads. We would like to give thanks to Tantra Kun for the use of his track, Electric Can, and a thanks to our audio producer, Amelia McCoy. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you tune in next time.